Bryce Miller got the full Mariners experience in his Major League debut last night. He threw five perfect innings, set a franchise record, but of course, didn't get any run support. Nevertheless, the Mariners won, and we are happy about that, though. We're even happier with what we saw out of Miller last night. We're going to be talking about his brilliant start and more on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnev for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We want to see all of you down there. Say what's up. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon by scanning the QR code right above my head. The link as well as our social accounts is also in the description of this episode. And on this episode, we'll be diving into the sensational Major League debut of one Bryce Austin Miller. We'll also be talking about Julio's lingering back issue and Tommy LaStella getting DFA'd to make room for Miller on the 26-man roster. Also, Seth Beer was DFA'd. By the Arizona Diamondbacks this morning. We'll be talking about if the Mariners could possibly kick the tires on him. And we'll get you set for game two of this Mariners A's series, which you can catch on the Mariners hometown broadcast with Sirius XM via the SXM app. But first, Colby, let's talk about the man of the hour, Bryce Miller. 10 strikeouts in his major league debut. He goes six innings strong, gives up his first hit of his major league career five and a third innings deep that's right he was perfect through the first five and a third innings of this game before tony kemp singled of course it was tony kemp it had to be tony kemp it's always tony kemp he also later scored on an Asturi ruiz double but that was all the damage done to miller who set a mariners franchise record for most strikeouts in a major league debut he also walked a nun and didn't get the win, which is very important to note here because that's also a major league record. <laughs> of course it is. Bryce Miller became the first major league pitcher ever to make his debut, strike out 10 or more, walk none, and not get the win. And it feels very fitting that it was a Mariners pitcher that landed that record. But nevertheless, Mariners did win. Like we said, 2-1. to one. They finally got their act together a little bit on offense. Thank you. Jerry Bonds, Jerry Kelnick for coming through with the game-winning RBI double. Uh, but Miller was still the story of this game for the Mariners. Fantastic start. What did you see? Yeah, I know it's three minutes. It's three. Hey, plus intro. I'm I'm kicking it over to you now. I know you're getting impatient. All right, talk about Bryce Miller. No, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you can do it. You got it. Uh, what we saw from Miller was a lot of fastballs, which is what we expected we were going to see and what we told you guys we were going to see. It was a ton of fastballs, 81 pitches, something like 60 fastballs. Um, and you know, that's not, I don't want to say that's not sustainable, but in a way it's not, but let's just talk about last night. He was, he was really good. Uh, you know, we saw it from the second batter of the game, the fastball elevated, you know, just at the top of the strike zone or slightly above, he is going to get a ton of swings and misses on that pitch. And if you can't lay off that pitch as a hitter, you've lost. You're not going to hit that pitch with any regularity. Um, and the A's didn't, but it wasn't just the fastball at the top of the zone. We also saw him be willing to use the fastball in all four quadrants to both lefties and righties. 
it's a pitch that he's not afraid to throw in any you know situation in any count. It doesn't matter if it's a predictable fastball count. Um, it's such a good pitch. It has such a high spin rate. It has such low vertical drop that it just kind of seems to almost rise because of the spin rate. It's a very tough pitch to square up. He still has to command it. You know, he still has to stay out of the middle of the zone. These are professionals. And if he leaves too many, makes too many mistakes with that pitch, it will be hit far. But last night there were very few mistakes. Um, the first time through the order, it felt like he threw 30 pitches and 28 of them were fastballs. Um, and then the second time through, we saw a nice little adjustment where uh, he actually started off the second time through the lineup with a couple sliders in a row uh, to get ahead and then finish the guy off with, of course, a fastball. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, 81 pitches. He threw one change up the entire game. It was for a called strike three. Um, so it's not a pitch that he really likes to use all that Connor much. Connor Table not, has to be big mad. <laughs> I mean, I would be, right? You're gearing up for 95 with like insane spin and rise in the zone and you're getting ready to hit that pitch. And then he just drops an 87 mile an hour batting practice fastball down the middle of the plate. And you take it for strike three. And he yeah. just pulls it out of thin air that late in the game. Yeah. That it was like 65, 70 pitches yeah. in and he's just like, and here's the change up. Like, Oh, sure. Why not? Why not? So yeah, uh, it's a good thing that he hadn't thrown that because that was a hanger and uh, <laughs> he just froze uh cable. So, uh, yeah, Miller was really good. He threw a lot of strikes. Again, the fastball is going to eat. He threw the cutter more than the slider, according to StatCast. But again, sometimes StatCast has trouble differentiating between those two pitches. Um, and Miller himself has said that uh, he now has three different sliders. So, of course he does. Because why? Because why not? Why, why not? not? Why not? Yeah. Three slider grips. Why not? Sure. Let's go yeah, for absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah uh we talked about how oakland was a really good uh landing spot for him just because there wasn't going to be really any atmosphere and and miller said himself like the atmosphere really helped me settle down and you know it's probably a little tongue-in-cheek considering that the paid attendance was 2500 people most of um, which chanting sell the team yelling at the owner fisher fisher yeah. <laughs> bryce miller had 13 people at the ballpark for him and that represented half of 1% of the entire total, which is insane. I mean, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but imagine yeah. going to T-Mobile Park when it's sold out and having, you know, 250 people there to root for one player. That's that's the equivalent. So, um, yeah, the lineup is a little bit better than most people gave it credit for. At least they were swinging it better mm -hmm. uh, than most people thought. Uh, but it was also very right-handed heavy, which we know that uh, – Miller's stuff is going to play better against righties. So right. overall, it was a good outing. Yes, you have to take into account the, you know, the atmosphere or lack thereof. You have to take into account the the, the quality of the lineup that he was going against, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yes, he'll have to be even a little bit sharper uh, in his next outing, assuming he gets one against the Astros on Sunday. I think it's probably safe to say he's, he's going to get a second He's getting another one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. seems likely, but you never know. So. No, you know, you know what we should do after a guy has like an historic major league debut. Let's let Chris Flexen throw against the Astros instead. I was thinking Darren McCacken. Darren McCacken's never lost to the Astros. Just saying. So, um, you're but, trying to yeah, appeal to a to a very uh, small group of people, and by small group, I mean one mean person one? on on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, does this one person happen to work at a Mariners team store? And am I hoping that? happen to get free gear out of this maybe mm. i will You're not angling for a free city connect jersey huh 
I am. It's one hundred seventy-five dollars. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, but in uh, Canada, it's even more. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's Canadian. Um, so, mm. Mm. but uh, yeah, Miller was really good last night. There's just no way around it. Um, yep. It'll be again. It'll be really interesting to see what he does in his next start at home. It's going to be against the Astros. Atmosphere is going to be a lot different. Lineup's going to be better. <laughs> I mean, we'll see who limps into Seattle <laughs> wearing an Astros uniform. It's it's rough for them right now on the injury front, mostly on the pitching side, though. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Miller Miller was really good. Very good. Very good. Uh, like you mentioned, fastball, 40% called strike plus whiff rate on that pitch. High, high spin rates. Uh, where did he rank in spin rate on that fastball? Uh, yeah, so the qualified leader on right. fastball, average fastball spin, according to StatCast, is Jacob deGrom. Who was at twenty five fifty? Last night, Bryce Miller's average fastball spin rate was twenty five seventy five. So, if Miller Miller has at the very least one of the five best spin rates on his fastball, I think he maxed out around like twenty eight hundred. Twenty eight hundred, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. He spins it really well because it has the high spin. It doesn't it doesn't dive as much as other pitches does. It has a tendency to stay online a little bit more which makes it look like it's rising uh, as it comes to the plate. And that's how you're going to get a lot of swings and misses on that at the top of the zone. Even when, even when hitters know it's coming. It's great stuff, man. Looking forward to his next start again. That's going to be the real test for him against the Astros this Sunday. He's going to be going up against Hunter Brown. That's a really fun pitching matchup that I'm looking forward to previewing on, uh, on Friday when we get you set for that series. But yeah, amazing start for Miller. Have to be over the moon with what you got out of him last night. Uh, great beginning to his major league career. And by the way, in order to make room for him on the 26-man roster, rejoice Mariners fans, Mariners DFA'd Tommy LaStella. Finally, finally happened. We're going to be talking about that some more in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you, And for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. Say it with me, folks. Rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Again, you can catch tonight's Mariners A's game on the Mariners hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. It's a great app. Check it out if you don't have a chance to watch the game tonight and just want to listen along. So, Colby, the Tommy LaStella era in Seattle has finally come to an end. We can all breathe. We can all collectively breathe. Our national nightmare is over, folks. 
we did it. The Mariners did him so dirty. It's so <laughs> they did not set him up to succeed. Let's put it that way. We're going to get into that, right? Because I actually do agree with you. Um, I want to make something clear here. I've talked a, a lot of crap about Tommy Lastella over the last month and deservedly so, but not from a, not from a personal, like it's not, I don't blame Tommy Lastella himself for the struggles. I'll, I just want to make that clear. My frustration is with the front office is with the Mariners and coaching staff, whoever is making these decisions to both keep Listella on the roster and then not play him with any sort of regularity to get him in any sort of rhythm. And that's part of the, and that's part of the reason why we're, why you're saying that the Mariners did him dirty. Right. Um, And we're going to get into the, into that some more, but really my beef here is with the fact that he was just anti everything that Depoto and company have championed with roster construction after they brought him in and he was coming off of a couple down years in San Francisco suffered a couple of you know Achilles injuries and then comes into spring training and misses a significant amount of time with an arm injury that has basically forced him to be a full-time DH who doesn't hit for power and hasn't been put into any sort of rhythm here to even just hit with any sort of consistency. And when he has hit, whenever he has found grass, it's been little flare shots. It hasn't been anything of quality. And there's been some really bad swings as well. It just didn't make sense. It really, and it really restricted the Mariners in terms of what they could do, what their flexibility was with their position players over the last month. And after a while, it became clear that they weren't going to use him. And there were going to be less and less opportunities for them to use him to get him into any sort of rhythm. So I just felt that, look, we're belaboring the point. Uh, you know, just DFA him. Get someone up here that can help you a little bit more, like a Mike Ford, like a Colin Moran, like whoever, really. Anyone that can just play in the field was going to be more valuable to you, in my mind at least. I wholeheartedly believe this. More valuable to you than whatever Tommy Lastella could give you just as a hitter, strictly. So... That's ultimately where my frustration came from. Let's talk more, though, about how this team really did uh, or failed to put Tommy Lestella in a position to succeed this year. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you go back and you look at the game log starting around the second week of the season. Tommy Lestella was in the lineup once a week at most, and you would pick up I think I think since April 15th he had like 11 at bats in a 3 week stretch. It's not fair. That's not fair to give anybody, you know, one at bat every 4 days and expect him to produce and and develop any kind of a rhythm to see because you have to see pitches. And remember Tommy Lestella missed most of spring training uh with his new injury. You have to track pitches. You have to look, you have to get in the box and you have to see these pitches and you have to work on your swing decisions. Like, this isn't something that you can do in theory. And it doesn't matter if you have, you know, no plate appearances in the big leagues or 10,000 plate appearances in the big leagues. It takes a little bit of time to kind of build up uh, your offensive profile. And, and they just really didn't give it to him. Now, even if he wasn't physically able to take those at bats, more at bats than he did. That's still the Mariners' fault for not DFAing him or placing him on the IL. So, and the fact that they didn't place him on the IL or that Tommy Lastella maybe didn't want them to tells you that he thinks he was healthy enough to go out there and play more than he did, at least get more at bats than he did. And the Mariners disagreed 
And so either they thought that Tommy Lasella wasn't good enough to give those at bats to, in which case DFA him, or they didn't think he was healthy enough to give those at bats to, in which case put him on the IL, but only throwing him out there every, you know, four or five days to watch him go over two and, and have the fans just mm-hmm. latch onto him as like the biggest bum in the history of the world. That's unfair. The right. Mariners put Tommy Lestella in a no win situation uh, because they didn't, they wouldn't use him. They needed to stick with him and you didn't need to play him every single day, but Hey, you know what? How about you give him 50, 60 plate appearances in the month of April to kind of see what you have. And then you could DFA him at the end instead of, you know, giving him 10 in the first week and then six in week two and then one each in week three and four. Like, yeah, that's not fair. That's not fair to Tommy Listella. And it's not fair to a guy who's had a really good major league career. And you kind of just turn him into public in, in enemy number one because either you didn't want to put him on the IL or you didn't think he was good enough to play, but you just refused to DFA him for reasons. Yeah. Right. So it just they put him yeah. in a no win situation to yeah, basically be a villain that that didn't need to exist. Yeah, it, it's not Listella's fault at the end of the day. And I know this is crazy for, for me to come to the defense of Tommy Listella, but like my issue was never with him because really like all right if he is washed that's not really of his fault right he's had multiple significant injuries over the last three years that have potentially sapped his talent and you know at the end of the day that's i mean we were told by a source that the coaching staff felt that he was done that he was washed that he couldn't play and especially after the arm injury that he was having pain while he was swinging and all this stuff the mariners just forced the issue with him mm-hmm. and then they refused to admit their mistake really i think that's what it was at the end of the day is that they just tried to hold on for dear life for some inexplicable reason by keeping him on this roster when he when he was just flat out restricting them in uh, uh, in a multitude of ways right because look again right. You don't want to have a, a backup first baseman slash DH, really, like in terms of healthy roster construction. But even then, that player, if you just had a glove first, quote unquote, first baseman on your team, that would have been more valuable to you than Tommy Lastella because that's someone that can actually play in the field. And then you're not putting, you know, a guy like Sam Haggerty at first base for a couple of days in a row who's never played first base. And he handled that overall fine. But that's still unfair at the end of the day to Haggerty. And that's not that's not where you want to be. That's not where you want to end up, no matter if it's early on in the season or whatever. It's just right. Tommy Lastella's presence had a trickle-down effect on the rest of this roster and the flexibility of this roster. That was just, it was undeniable and it was unignorable. Right. I, I just, again, at the end of the day, there was just no reason for the Mariners to keep him on the roster um because again even if even if they tell you like well we thought maybe you know we give him some time he can kind of you know rebound and go back to what he was but you didn't give him time so you thought it was possible that he could still be a good hitter for you but you weren't willing to give him at bats that's either a dumb plan or you're lying you knew that you weren't right. going to get anything from Tommy Listell and you still refused to make a move now you could sit here and say well it's not like there was a lot of moves that they could have made. Tramel was hurt. Marlowe was hurt. And Ford's not, it's not like Ford's like this great major leaguer. And it's like, true. That's all true. But they're still more valuable to you than Tommy Lastella if you don't think that he's any good. Because you know yeah. what Colin Moran can do, even if you don't think Moran is better than Lastella, 
Moran can play first base and make a throw. Yeah, I would rather so have the that. defensive versatility than the off chance I might get a single and maybe a walk out of Lestella. Like, yeah, especially if you're not going to use him on a day. You couldn't even commit to giving him three starts a week. Yeah. You didn't want to, either because you he was too hurt to do that, in which case put him on the IL, or you didn't think he was good enough to do that, in which case you DFA him. So no yeah. matter what, any way you try to spin this around, the Mariners – essentially made Tommy LaStella an enemy of the fans for literally no reason. And the thing too is like, all right, if you want him to still be around your organization, DFA him, he's going to clear waivers. No one is picking him up. No one is claiming him. And as long as he's willing to accept the assignment, reassign him to AAA Tacoma and get him those at bats so he can get into a rhythm and show you if he's washed or not, truly. And then that, yeah. and then at that point, you make the decision. It just... The whole process behind it made no sense to me. And that's why the frustration continued to boil over over the course of the last few weeks for me uh, with Tommy LaStella's presence on this roster because it just, it made no sense from an organizational standpoint, from, you know, a Jerry DePoto, Justin Hollander standpoint. And I also do wonder if, you know, what we were told was true and that the coaching staff felt that he was washed. Clearly, I mean, obviously, I, I, I would assume that feeling didn't change over the course of the last few weeks. So if they felt that way, I'm sure that was communicated to the front office. And then again, that's on the front office for not doing something about that. If they felt that, hey, this guy is not going to be able to contribute to us at the major league level. Like you needed to get someone else on that roster, whether it's Mason McCoy, whether it's Mike Ford, whether it's Colin Moran, it doesn't matter. Anyone with a pulse and a glove, someone that can just even shake it at a position on the field is more valuable to you really than whatever Tommy LaSella was going to give you offensively. So yeah, it just drove me mad. And so, but I also do think that it's unfair for, uh, to, to point the finger at LaSella specifically, because again, a lot of this stuff is just out of his hands. You know, he, he didn't get go out there and purposely, you know, get injured. Right. Like that just, that stuff happens, unfortunately, and it will sap your talent after a while and so if that's what's happened then you know that sucks it really sucks but it's you know it also means that he is not a major league caliber player anymore he's not someone that at least not for a contender at least not for a team that has the aspirations that we all think the mariners have this year so yeah that's just that's just what it is at the end of the day so it sucks but uh yeah all right, Seth Beer was DFA'd by the Arizona Diamondbacks this morning. He has a couple of minor league options, so it doesn't have to be a, a major league move for the Mariners if they were to kick the tires on him. We're going to be talking about that possibility. We're also going to be talking about tonight's game. And if Julio is going to be the, in the lineup after missing the last two games and after being scratched uh, late before yesterday's game but first a reminder this episode of locked on mariners is brought to you by so rare our new sponsor so rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 major league baseball teams and unlike other fantasy baseball platforms so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience collecting buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. When to lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. 
MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle. And at the end of game weeks, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Mariners and A's get underway tonight at the Oakland Coliseum, I think at 6.40 p.m. Pacific time. And you can catch that game on the Mariners' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. So, Colby, before we recorded, we hit record on this episode, you let me know that Seth Beer has been DFA'd by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I said, why the hell not? Let's talk about him a little bit on the show. So... Should the Mariners kick the tires on Seth Beer, former Astros, top Astros prospect who uh, went to the Diamondbacks and what, the Zach Granke deal? Yeah. Yeah. Um, eh. Yeah. I mean, you do have Miller on the team, and then you could add someone named Beer. Sure. You just need a guy, and at that point, you just need a guy named Bud on your team, and you should be good to go. Sure. Um, So here's the just kind of the breakdown of Seth Beer. Former first-round pick. We know how much Jerry loves that uh, former top ish prospect. He was never top 50 or anything, but he was a back in top 100 guy, but he is all bat. Like you are not getting anything from him defensively or on the bases. He's pretty much, he's slower than Ty France and he's about as good as, I don't know, Ty or I would be at first base, um, you know, and he, stands in the outfield but he's worse than think of the worst outfielder you've ever seen play mark trumbo and understand that this guy's twice as bad so yeah um it's all about the bat so you have to believe he can hit and and you know f- for a while there he was torching the minor leagues he was putting up pretty good numbers but you look at what he did in triple a in 2020 uh sorry 2022 242 361 435 that's pretty good but you have to consider the pcl as a hitter's paradise and if you're only slugging 435 in the pcl that's not great and then you look at what he's doing this year so far 200 266 314 that's not going to get it done he's a power bat first base power bat uh, first base dh only power bat whose game power hasn't really shown up all that often um i think his career high for home runs in a season right now is 25 uh, he, he does draw walks. He doesn't strike out a ton except for this year. It's, it's gone up. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's an obvious fit here. I think because he has options, you could claim him, put him on your 40 man. You have the 40 man room. You can send him to Tacoma and you can just see if there's something there, but you have to believe in the bat because he's, he's going to hurt you every time he's on the bases and every time he's in the field. So it pretty much comes down to, do we think Seth Beer can be a, a, is he good enough for us to be, to consider him as a full-time DH? Maybe they think so. Maybe they do. Mm -hmm. But for me, this isn't one of those ones like they should jump all over this, but if they put a claimant on him and they get him and they put him down in Tacoma, he's worth monitoring. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, there's little to no versatility, but 
the bat has more upside than I would say Tommy Lastella's does right now. So I, I feel that that's worth exploring at least. I mean, maybe there's some power there that you can tap into, um, you know, and get some sort of production at, uh, out of out of the at the major league level. But overall, I mean, first base CH types don't really excite me. I could take it or leave it, really. I mean, there, there's still levers that you can pull on the 40-man roster where I'm like, I don't care. You know, put Seth Beer on the, the, most, on the roster. Yeah, yeah. the most obvious one being just transferring Robbie Ray to the 60-day IL. Right. He's still on the 15, so you don't even have to lose anybody to, to claim him. But That's interesting, by the way, that they haven't made that move yet when they've made a couple of 40-man moves. Yeah. <laughs> 40-man moves are probably things they wanted to do anyways, like DFA and La Stella. So, yeah. you know, it's just nice to have one in your back pocket. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Um, if they do pick up beer, we'll hear about that tomorrow, I think, mm. Friday. I think they technically have a week. So oh, okay. So maybe we don't hear about it until next week. Um, sure. So moving on here, Julio missed yesterday's game as well he was in the lineup and they had him hitting one with kelnick hitting two behind him then they rearranged the order kelnick ends up hitting three and he was of course the offensive hero of the game for the mariners last night but uh julio missing another game after getting a day off the last two days bit of a concern and this of course isn't the first time that he's dealt with some lower back tightness or issues overall so is this something to be concerned about long-term for him considering this has cropped up now twice within the last what nine months eight months no i i don't think so um it's interesting here is that he apparently heard it sliding head first on the stolen base attempt and mm. we talked about this in the past julio's steals probably aren't going to be as high as they could because you risk more injury when you steal and and i don't know like i don't know why guys are so obsessed with sliding head first uh into second base now like what's wrong with feet first like like oh i might twist an ankle well you might jam your wrist or hurt your back if you slide head first or yeah so uh i don't know if it's a concern yet uh per se but we'll see it's definitely something to keep an eye on um because like you said this is the second time that he'll have missed a handful of games with a back injury. I think last time they put him on the IL, right? In yep. September. Yep. Um, so yeah, you know, Julio made a couple he's he missed 30 games last year with a bunch of little nagging injuries, the biggest one being the the wrist in the back. So yeah, uh the wrist, by the way, last year also happened sliding head first into second base. So uh yeah, I think you know, if if it's just because he's stealing bases and he just needs to stop or he needs to go into feet first slide or whatever, then I don't think so. But they, they obviously did a, a really extensive physical on when they, before they gave him, you know, the biggest extension in MLB history. So uh, I don't think this is anything to, to be concerned with long-term yet, but if these things keep cropping up, these small little nagging injuries keep cropping up, then I think eventually what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to really, you know, shut him down on the bases and, and move him off of center field too, because the bat is too valuable to lose. So we'll see if he's in the lineup tonight. Uh, I would assume that he'll be in there at least, you know, a couple hours before the game. And then if he can't go, you know, they'll find that out during warmups and all that, and then make the, 
you know, an appropriate move. But uh, yeah, we'll see if he actually takes his uh, first at bat tonight and see how he responds. Uh, but this is at the very least a good series, you know, or it should be in theory a good series to rest him for a few days. You are going up against the worst team, Major League Baseball. And yeah, the offense was atrocious through the first seven innings last night. But, uh, you know, you should be able to to beat this team with or without Julio on paper. So uh, we'll see. Uh, and you Careful. got a big series. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't tempt fate. Uh, but you do have a big series coming up against Houston. You, you would really like to have uh, Julio for those three games this weekend. So uh, if that means sacrificing him for the next couple, then so be it if it guarantees you a shot to have him in the lineup on the weekend. Uh, so let's talk about this game. Logan Gilbert, J.P. Sears. The last time we saw J.P. Sears, he was going up against the Mariners' hangover lineup <laughs> after they uh, clinched their first playoff berth in 20 years. So um, first recommendation, first key to the game, don't get no hit through the first seven innings of the game or six innings of the game, however many it was last night. Don't do that against this pitching staff don't don't do that i would also recommend scoring more than two runs in a game that would be preferable and i would recommend not having to protect a one run lead in the ninth inning that would be preferable Uh, those those would be my recommendations um it'll be interesting to see logan tonight Mm -hmm. uh they pushed him back because of the shoulder thing before his last start and then in philly he wasn't very good so keep an eye on it um Velocity was fine in his last start, though, so I don't know if that was just the shoulder was bothering him or he just didn't really have his command. Uh, It's tough to say, so it'll be interesting to see how he attacks this lineup. It's going to be a pretty similar look for these guys to what they saw from Miller, uh, with the notable exception that Logan Gilbert has a splitter, which he kind of needs to get back to throwing a little bit more, Um, but maybe that's related to his shoulder. Maybe he's got blisters. Who knows? So, uh, yeah, it's... We'll see. Sears has got some pretty good stuff. Uh, so you do have to go up there and you do have to put together good at bats. Uh, but obviously the pitching matchup greatly favors Seattle as it will tomorrow as well. But uh, yeah, you got to watch Logan pretty closely tonight, see where the fastball command is and see how often he's using his off speed stuff. Yeah. And just, you know, score four runs. You should be good. Cause even if Logan is a bit off against the Sayers lineup, you, he should be able to get it get through it. Let's make it six. Yeah, let's make it six. Uh, I, I, hey, let's make it twenty. <laughs> I would. Let's let's get twenty runs. Let's I don't want to be. I don't want this game to be like nine hours long. So I mean, there's no cracking games tonight though, so I'm cool with it. Six hour game, thirty runs. Let's do it. Let's do it. I sat through a six hour game. It's not as much fun as you think. I mean, when and it's zero zero, but when <laughs> but if the Mariners hit like you know ten home runs tonight, I'm down. I mean, stat padding. I love stat padding. Oh boy, you know, could you some stat padding right now? Teoscar Hernandez. Yeesh. Yeah, yeesh indeed. That uh, that was not great. Hey, by Tied the way, broke Jose Caballero against the righty, not Colton Wong, after a day off. It's weird yeah, it was last weird. night, right? It was pretty weird considering that Wong, you know, has been better at the plate the last few days. Yeah. So he's been better at the plate than Caballero. I know Caballero had the double yesterday, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, scored 
Caballero's last two appearances, he scored the game go ahead run and the uh, game tying run. Right. Uh, so, was it the game tying run? No, he scored on Raleigh's home run. So never mind. But whatever. Cabby keeps on chipping in. But yeah, it was weird that yeah. you know no Wong last night. I assume we're not going to see him again tonight. Maybe that's just a way to try and you know, yeah, give him a couple extra days. Maybe he's slept on it. Maybe you know he hurt his neck sleeping or something. We don't know. Yeah. Um, or maybe they're punishing him for his base running gaff, which probably doesn't carry as much weight after an off day the day after yeah. it originally happened, but who knows? Uh, we'll see, but yeah. I assume Caballero will be in there tonight. Um, or maybe the plan tonight is to give JP Crawford a night off and Caballero is playing shortstop and Colton Wong's playing second or something. Who knows? We'll see. And hey, finally, finally, AJ Pollock got a hit off of a lefty <laughs> and it was a home run, a game time home run last night. That was awesome. That was so nice to see. Imagine that. Yeah. Thank, thankfully, he he, uh, he also had another ball that uh, I think he hit around 90 miles per hour that looked like it had a chance. He he hits the ball fairly hard. It's just he's not finding grass with uh, with any sort of consistency. I think Launch those numbers are going to, yeah, I think those numbers are going to go up though uh, eventually here for for Pollock. He's he's uh, he's getting good contact. It's just yeah know. needs to needs to level the ball out a little bit more. Him and Wong look like they're really close right now. Yeah. So. We'll see. All right. Well, that is going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well over at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Catch us after the game tomorrow for a post-game recap of the Mariners A's series finale. But for now, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.